Hello, everybody. This is Sean at TuneX Podcast. Just wanted to give you a little disclaimer here. Uh, we recorded this episode um, quite a while back, and due to basically very busy lives, very busy summer, we didn't have a chance to post-produce it until quite a bit later. For example, you'll hear about us talking about the potential for the SiriusXM Beach Boys channel to return. Well, <laughs> since the time we recorded, it has returned and gone away again. So on behalf of Lisa and myself, I apologize for uh, uh, the long time that uh, has passed since. Uh, those of you who are new to the podcast, Lisa and I are a married couple who got together because of our mutual love of pet sounds. That's the short story. And we, over the past 25 years, often find ourselves getting into intense discussions about the Beach Boys, and we figured, why not record it and make a podcast? Well, here you go. Without any further... Oh, what's that word? Uh, adieu, is it? No, adieu, adieu. <laughs> here is X Podcast. but that's not what we're talking about. Um, uh, anyway, oh, uh, this is episode 17 of Tunex Podcast. So happy to be back with all of you people. Uh, no, I'm, no, don't, don't, don't say, don't say that. What? Don't say you people. Well, you just did, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, hi, I'm Sean. I'm Lisa. And uh, we are your your hosts for this episode and for all other episodes of this podcast as well. Um, yeah, it's been a while. Why has it been a while? Because we keep procrastinating. And well, we've also had stuff. We've had a lot of stuff. Oh my goodness! And uh, good stuff, work stuff, busy stuff, fun stuff. Yeah, lots been going on since we uh, last recorded. Um, I had COVID. So that was exciting. Oh, yeah, it it has been a while. It has been a while because that was almost three months ago. Yeah, and I didn't get COVID, so there. Yeah, so we're we're both equally up to date on our stuff. So why did only one of us get it, <laughs> or why did any of us get it in the first? Because place? <laughs> I work in a high school, which is a germ farm, and I really think I'm immune to everything. That that is true. You never get sick, really. <laughs> Not really. Just yeah. allergy things once in a while. Knock on wood. And that is actual wood, too. Mm -hmm. So uh, a lot of things have been going on in the Beach Boys world, too. Like, there was... Uh, a great explosion? Well, kind of, sort of. <laughs> and it, uh, and the victims of that explosion were Scott Totten and John Cowsill, who are no oh, longer yeah. in the touring band. It's a damn shame. Those are two really good musicians. Mm -hmm. And uh, Scott Totten was, I think, their musical director. And he is based... I like to say he's the equivalent of Darian from Brian's band. Yeah. We know John Cowsill was fired, and I don't know about Scott. I don't know if he left on his own terms or what. From what I understand, everybody's still on good terms. You know, they're still hanging out with everybody. So, what would be interesting is if John Cowsill joined his sister and brothers. Oh man, <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Yeah, really. If you ever get the opportunity to see the Cowsills, especially if Susan Cowsill is involved, she will be. Do it. Yeah, because. They are a lot of fun. Susan Cowsill is a total hoot on stage. Very funny, very personable. A lot of great banter in between songs. 
I mean, we saw them open for Mickey Dolan's um, a long time ago. 2014, I think it was. Something like that. There's only so many Cow Sills songs you can play because they pretty much just played their hits, yeah. but then did some really great covers. Yeah, and in fact, one of them explained that the reason they do so many covers, they're like, we only had four hits, so we yeah. got to do something. I mean, they're very entertaining. And let's see, what else has been going on in the Beach Boys world? Oh, um, Al Jardine kind of uh, let a cat out of the bag. Mm -hmm. He let two cats out of the bag, actually. One is that he's working on a book, which I believe is going to be an autobiography. I certainly hope so. (laughs) Well, he has another book that's not an autobiography. Well, yeah, he has the children's book. And on uh, a podcast called Area 831... He mentioned that he was working with Blondie Chaplin on a upcoming Brian Wilson solo album. Mm. So hopefully that actually gets released. Hopefully it's better than the <laughs> Long Promised Road soundtrack. Is it? Do you think it's going to be a rock and roll record? Oh, good grief. We can only hope. And I mean, if there's something we know about Al is that pretty much if he drops something, it eventually happens. It may not be for a while, because didn't he give the first indications of what became the uh, the Feel Flow set? Like, yes. quite a few. I mean, it was it was long before the pandemic, and of course, the pandemic delayed everything. So, yeah. but I mean, he he was talking about that a long time ago. Yeah, and people were like, "Okay, do we believe this? Do we not believe this?" Because we didn't have any inklings from any other source at that time. I yeah. think I want to say it was probably around like 2018. Might have um, been. I don't know. It don't was. Know. It was a long time ago, and then it did happen. Yep. And I know there's a. I can't remember offhand, but I know there's been other things that Al has said that did happen to some extent. So he is not an unreliable source. No. Sometimes what he says isn't 100% what actually happens, but it's still, if he says it, it's probably, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I did not hear about the the book thing, and if he's writing a memoir, that would be interesting. Yeah. Just because for all of the touring experiences that he's had all over the world, I mean, I wouldn't want to read it so much for a history lesson because we've gotten that from so many other places i want to hear stories like stuff from the road experiences crazy things backstage times dennis walked around naked (laughs) like stuff that we have not heard that might be fun. Yeah, you said the same thing about how you wish Mike would come up with a book like that, too, which I would agree with any of those guys, really. Yeah, just kind of the collection of notes from the road from decades of touring. Uh, by the way, Mike, Al, anybody else listening, if you would decide to do a book like that, uh, remember who gave you that idea. And, uh... and that Sean and I both have professional editing experience, so we'd be happy to help proofread yeah, for modest yeah. fee and oh, yeah uh, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah we are nothing if not needing to pay bills so uh, another interesting thing that came up is uh, well unlike the previous two years it is now summer but we do not have a beach boys sirius xm channel to listen to or do we 
because according to um, somebody on the Endless Harmony forum going by the username Cork on the Ocean, and I quote, a few days ago, on this was uh, posted on June 23rd, we're recording this on June 25th, a few days ago on 60s Gold, after a Beach Boys or Bruce and Terry song, can't remember which, the host said, the channel was coming back probably on or around 4th of July, he didn't hmm. know when, and said something like, not sure if I was supposed to announce that yet. Hmm. So, hmm. Well... Okay, we've had the Beach Boys channel. One time it was done quite a while ago. Yeah, we didn't like, even have Sirius Yeah, before yet, we had so. it. But they did it three times in more recent years. Yes. And the first time it started in May, it started right before Memorial Day. But the last two times it started around 4th of July. Mm. And it went until like August 31st. And interestingly, each of those three times, they were promoting something. They were promoting that symphonic thing mm -hmm. that I really don't care for. <laughs> they were promoting the Feel Flows box set the next year, or the next time, I should say. Mm -hmm. And uh, last year when they did it, they were promoting two things. Mostly it was the uh, re-release, remaster, remix of uh, Sounds of Summer. Mm -hmm. And a little bit hinting at Sail on Sailor. Yeah. I don't know of anything that's coming out this year, so I don't know what they would be promoting or unless they just decided to do this for the heck of it. There's been a lot of clamor for the Beach Boys channel to be permanent. Yeah. I would definitely go for that if it became kind of a Beach Boys with associated well, yeah. music, such as, um, of course, the more obvious things like jan and dean but even going into like surf music um uh, the south carolina beach music hmm. little genre the little little tiny genre of certain like r&b songs that were very popular in the late 60s and even just simply talking about such things because you're looking at me like you have no idea what i'm talking about <laughs> oh, i'm looking at you like and I'm and and just out, which i am not having it be just Beach Boys songs over and over, but having a good variety. I mean, you look at the Beatles channel. Yep. The Beatles channel isn't just Beatles songs and solo, but they have covers. They have artists that influence the Beatles. Like they'll play like Little Richard oh, or, yeah. or something like that. And then, of course, artists that were inspired by the Beatles, which is Everybody. <laughs> I oh, mean, yeah. they've even played some Beach Boys stuff or some Brian stuff had, over the over time. They played the nineteen it was somebody on somebody's show on that channel, they played the nineteen eighty eight version of Love and Mercy. I know. When there was no reason to they, <laughs> other than he said I'm playing some Beatles songs that are related to peace, but I want to throw this one in just because. <laughs> and he did. I don't remember who it was, but uh, I think I don't know. And they do a talk show. I mean Yeah. Hey, uh, Beach Boys Channel, Serious Beach Boys BRI, if you want somebody to do that for a <laughs> channel, um, I know a couple of people who are experienced in doing a talk show about the Beach Boys. Yeah, of course. But there's also plenty of professionals that they could get. They could have... We have professional equipment. Hush. Um, I'd love to hear Carney do a half hour or oh an God, hour. Yes. That would be fantastic. There's a great deal of potential there, and a lot of fans have been 
writing to SiriusXM, asking for that. There's a petition going around on change.org for a permanent channel, and I'll put the link to but, that in our But, I show mean, notes. for what it's worth, I'd be happy to just have it be a summer thing, if anything. If Like, at least do that. At least have it be a summer thing, just for the love of all things bright and beautiful. Please change up the set list. Yeah. Like, I don't need to hear Spirit of America every day or multiple times a day. There are songs they were playing multiple times an hour. I know. It like Little Deuce Coop. Didn't we hear that like two or three times we once? Heard, <laughs> we went to visit a friend of ours, maybe about an hour and a half drive round trip. In that time, we heard Little Deuce Coop four times. Yeah. The same version. Granted, they definitely throw in major deep, deep, deep oh, yeah. cuts. I mean, oh, yeah. they they really do have a fantastic resource to draw from. It's just there are some titles that just come up way... And I don't understand why Spirit of America... I mean, at least you could argue that Little Deuce Coop was a hit single. Yeah. You stop people on the street and you ask them to name some Beach Boys songs. That's probably going to be one of them. But Spirit of America? No! <laughs> it's Brian whining for like 20 minutes about some guy who didn't blow himself up. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get letters on that. <laughs> yeah, including from me, because I like that song. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> when you hear it 48,000 times... What if they play God Only Knows 48,000 well, times? Different. Are you going to get tired of that? No, because that's like one of the best songs ever made in the history of ever. <laughs> Such a great song that anytime there's any kind of a Beach Boys tribute, related tribute done on stage or whatever, it's going to be included on there. Well, yeah. Such as the Grammy tribute to oh, the Beach Boys. Well, see how uh, we transitioned there, folks? That was that was very... Did you learn that in, in radio class in college? Actually, no. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> no, Bob did not teach us about transitions. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, back on Easter Sunday on CBS... We had the Grammy tribute to the Beach Boys. As I was battling COVID. Yes. <laughs> yeah, where we didn't spend the day with family instead. I cooked a nice dinner at home. That and... I couldn't taste because of the medicine. <laughs> yeah, Paxlovid kind of did a number on you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I was fine, you know. I mean, I, it was one of the most mellow illnesses I ever had, but still, they give you, if they give you Paxlovid... It may have the side effect of making everything taste like metal. So, but so this anyway, was sorry. so this special was a concert that was previously recorded and the Beach Boys themselves were in attendance, Brian, Mike, Al, David Marks and Bruce Johnston. Yep. And they were just sitting up in a balcony, didn't speak, didn't perform. I know some fans were expecting them to be kind of like Statler and Waldorf. <laughs> like, oh, that would have been awesome. That would have been great if they were heckling. Well, I mean, for what it's worth, for quite a lot of the reaction shots, Brian looked bored. <laughs> he always looks bored, <laughs> I know bored, he though. does. I know he does. And I think they were using some of the exact same they reaction were. They shots were. multiple times. They were. It's kind of obvious, but... <laughs> See, I don't blame Brian for looking bored. I know, you know, there are people who try to read the tea leaves and be like, 
oh, he's in poor health and he doesn't want to be there and all this stuff when it's like, I don't think that it was that at all. I just think that when you have people performing his songs in the same way, like, I just don't think it does anything for him. Like, it doesn't impress him. It's just kind of like, okay, yeah, you could play Sloop John B. Can I go well, home now? He just has resting <laughs> board face. That's well, that all there too. Is to it. Well, that too. But it's like you look at kind of the difference when when Brian received the Kennedy Center honor, that he looked bored until that British boys choir performed. Then he looked interested because it was different. Yeah. And it was something done with a great deal of care and attention to his harmony work. So it's like that got his attention. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not not some celebrity he doesn't really care about doing the same old thing. Well, it's like when Pete Townsend and uh, Roger Daltrey got oh the same God. thing. They looked bored until the oh, fire, they looked until the very police and fire bored. people came yeah, out. Yeah, until <laughs> until for um so yeah. that's to be expected, I would yeah, say. Yeah, until the curtains parted, then there was a chorus of New York policemen singing Teenage Wasteland. I mean, I mean really think about it. You have the, these legendary band members. They get pulled aside and said, hey, we want you to go sit in here and listen to other people do their music. We're not going to ask you any questions. We're not going to have you perform. You're just going to sit there and watch. How would you feel? Would you be yeah, able to I mean, <laughs> Well, yeah, some people, it probably drives them nuts that yeah. they're not down there playing along. I mean, it's, and also the fact that I know for the Kennedy Center Honors, the honoree does not know in advance what yeah, is happening. Yeah. Like, they do not know who is there to present. And sometimes there's some really great like you look at the performers there's some really great surprises or just people who are are very touched like i know when um when carol king got mm, hers yeah. and aretha oh my goodness i got goosebumps just thinking about yep. it aretha at the piano singing i guess was natural woman it must have been yeah and with her fur coat on. <laughs> I love that she was still wearing her fur coat. But like Carol King nearly, I mean, you probably can find this on YouTube. Oh, yeah. I thought she was just going to launch herself over that balcony and run up to the stage. I would not have been surprised. So, but. yeah. I mean, sometimes it's really great. But yeah. But for this special, and I just got to say, and I'm sure I am not the only fan who feels this way. When it comes to the Grammy people, I just feel like there's been kind of too little too late. You oh, know, yeah. that I, that I so did, many yeah. artists in the 60s, rock and roll artists who were doing groundbreaking work, especially when you're talking about a lot of people who were not classically trained, didn't go to conservatories. A lot of rock and rollers were either self-taught or kind of learned on a, how should I say it, like a local level, like taking lessons from yeah. somebody, or but not anything that, say, people who compose orchestral works, like they, don't, they didn't have the education that people like that had. And yet, turning out like stuff that was innovative and different and using recording studios and doing all kinds of stuff. Like we just went last week to see um, a performance of Tommy, 
which oh, is running ever... here in Chicago as kind of a workshop for a potential national tour and hopefully um, Broadway revival. And it's just like, Pete Townsend should have at least gotten a Grammy nomination just for acknowledgement of this work. I mean, it's stunning what he put together. Mm-hmm. But in the 60s, most of these things were ignored. And of course, we, as we all know, Good Vibrations did receive... Oh, it hurts. ...did receive a Grammy nomination, and it lost to basically a studio-created thing called Winchester Cathedral that was meant to sound like... It was basically a novelty song. It was kind of a throwback to... 1920s vaudeville sound. It's an okay song on its own merits, but it's not a Grammy-winning song, especially when it's up against Good Vibrations. Up against Good Vibrations and Monday Monday and Eleanor Rigby. And it's like the Beach Boys have, I mean, Pet Sounds didn't get any nominations. Pet Sounds has never got any recognition from the Grammy people back then. But it's like... In more recent years, some years ago, there was uh, the Grammy Hall of Fame was instituted. And I think that was really as a way for them during the Grammy broadcast to acknowledge people like the Beach Boys, the Who, and all these other acts that were never given their due back in the day, like almost a a way to correct it be like, oh, we're going to put you in our Hall of Fame, even though we never (laughs) gave you like an actual award. (laughs) And, And it's like, you still have to love that the one Grammy Brian has, Brian, who is a virtuoso of vocal harmony, he won for Best instrumental. (laughs) Which had vocal harmonies in it, by the way. Yeah, but not as something, not as a chief part of the work. And something that we were talking about a couple of days ago is that there are, as far as I know, three Beach Boys related Grammy Awards out there. Two of them are because of Smile. Because the Smile Sessions picked up something, um, what was it, Best Historical Set or something? Let me check. And of course, Brian got... uh, Best Instrumental for Mrs. O'Leary's Cow. And of course, Bruce Johnston got a Grammy for, I don't remember what it was, but it was for writing, for being the composer of I Write the Songs. Okay, so the Beach Boys were nominated for Kokomo, Best Pop Performance by a Duo or Hmm. Group with Vocal. Did not know that. And of course, Good Vibrations was nominated for three awards. Oh. Best Performance by a Vocal Group. Best Contemporary Rock and Roll Recording, and Best Contemporary Rock and Roll Group Performance, Vocal or Instrumental. Yeah. And for some reason, they don't have the win for the Smile Sessions. If you look up under the Smile Sessions entry itself, it's like in the awards and charts Unless or they don't. If you look up under Brian... Let's see, the Smile Sessions is listed there, because I guess he's specifically named. Uh, Let's see, Best Historical Album, Brian Wilson Presents Smile, was nominated for Best Long Form Music Video, as well it should. And then Brian Wilson Presents Smile was nominated for Best Pop Vocal Album. He won for Mrs. O'Leary's Cow. Yeah. 
Pet Sound Sessions was nominated for Best Historical Album, as it should. (laughs) Oh, and there's actually a fourth nomination for Good Vibrations, Best Arrangement Accompanying a Vocalist or Instrumentalist. Man, they had wordy categories back then. (laughs) Yeah, Smile Sessions picked up the Grammy for Best Historical Album in uh, 2013. Yeah. That's what it won. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, seriously, the way that thing was put together, how could you I know, not? right? Oh, my goodness. It even had a light. Well, <laughs> s- some copies did. We did. I know. We didn't spring I for know. the light-up version. Yeah, if, you want, if you've never seen it, see if on YouTube you can find uh, the little video clip where Brian turns on the light and he just, like, starts laughing. <laughs> it's, like, the funniest scene he's ever seen. <laughs> It's it's like what Geats Romo said about the the box that lights up, you know? It's, it's like Dig. Yeah, and if you don't know what Sean's talking about, go listen to How to Speak Hip now. Yeah, Just please do. pause this, go listen to How to Speak Hip, No, don't Hip, pause and then it. Listen to back. us first. Just put it in. <laughs> but anyway, this anyway. Grammy special thing where they're like, yeah, let's honor people because we screwed up years ago. <laughs> yeah. So So what was this thing? I'm still trying to figure out. I mean, I don't get the point of it, but I kind of do and I kind of don't. Of course, it was probably, it was undoubtedly a nod to their 60th anniversary. Well, yeah. I mean, that's part of the reason why. Because as we all know, the Beach Boys started in 1963. Now, it's just, they never get the anniversaries right. (laughs) Well, okay, now going, one of the anniversaries we always talk about them getting wrong is the Good Vibrations 30th anniversary box set, which came out in 1993. Now, I had heard from someone who's usually a reliable source that it was meant to mark the 30th anniversary of Surfing USA, which I don't know, that just seems kind of weak. That's kind of, yeah, because that's not even, wait, Surfing USA, the album or the song? The song. Okay, but that wasn't even their first big capital nationwide single it was their first like serious hit though surfing safari wasn't that huge a hit yeah but still so i don't know it just seems like an odd way to mark an anniversary i mean that's like saying that the beatles started in 1964 like no all right so so anyway this special had a lot of people doing a lot of things (laughs) Yep, that's a good way to describe it. <laughs> mostly current artists, mostly. And if not current, then they're recent enough that pretty much everybody has heard of them. Yeah. Mind you, I have not heard of necessarily every single one of the current artists, but... I think there was only like one that I had never, ever heard of. I had never heard of Jimmy Jam. Yeah. yeah. I never heard of St. Vincent. Oh, Apparently she's been around a while. Oh yeah, I've heard of her. Uh, I never heard of Andy Grammer. I never yeah. heard of. Uh, that was the one I. Yeah. But Luke I, Spiller, Taylor Momsen, no idea who they were. I had to look them up. But that's kind of us, like. That is true. Yeah, but you're around teenagers, so yeah. But I'm also around. Kind of I'm also around mind. teenagers who, I mean, something to know about, at least from my experience teaching high school in Chicago, that students, my students' musical interest is very, very broad. There's very little that I really feel like everybody knows. 
I mean, you talk to one kid, they're totally into rap and hip hop. Another kid is going to be into K-pop. Yeah. And there's even the K-pop fans. Not all of them are into BTS or Blackpink. Like, there's many, many different K-pop interests and factions. Oh, yeah. Um, Then you've got kids who are into music that they heard growing up from their parents, like 80s music, old school R&B, hip hop. I mean, it's, you know, there are kids who know songs. I'm like, how do you know that? (laughs) And it's like, (sighs) they do or they just go down rabbit holes on YouTube or whatever. And or they'll hear a song in a movie and they'll look Mm -hmm. it up. I mean, it's yeah, like you cannot put kids nowadays in a box no no couple notes before we get into talking about like the performances uh we were glad to see that well the house band for this show was pretty freaking tight they were really really good no complaints about the band and we were glad to see two familiar faces uh there was probin gregory from uh brian's band Mm -hmm. uh who we have seen many 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 times he is multi-talented and always good to see him there because you know there's going to be some some good instrumentation yeah, we even saw him as uh mike nesmith and mickey dolan's uh one of back one of his backup yep. Yep. musicians and one of, her, one of their backup musicians good grief I and think. abe laboreal jr who is in paul mccartney's band yep. he also backed up justin timberlake did he really yep. i did not know yep. that but he's he's a great drummer and mm-hmm. By all accounts, a really great guy. So yep. it was good to see him there. So something we were a little bit upset about is that there really wasn't much at all in tribute to Carl or Dennis. Yeah. Which is kind of surprising and kind of upsetting. It's very upsetting. Yeah, their tribute to Dennis was the same thing that the Mike Love led Beach Boys have been doing for for since at least 1996. This one's for Dennis, and it was. Do you want to dance? Are you farking kidding me? Yeah, it's like um, hello, forever, <laughs> a beautiful song that Dennis wrote and produced and did a lot of. Yeah, he has a <laughs> huge log of songs that you could have picked from, but no, you pick a cover. Yeah. That wasn't even like his best vocal or, I mean, it it was good. I mean, it was decent, but I mean, there are other songs that he sang much better. Good Lord. Forever, Little Bird. Even Got to Know the Woman. I mean, it might be a little bit too up-tempo to be like a memorial kind of thing, but still, you know, just come on, guys. Give (sighs) Dennis the respect that his artistry deserves. But yeah, and there was... Nothing done. I mean, at least at least there was a song done in honor of Dennis. There wasn't anything done in honor of Carl. Yeah, unless we missed something, nobody said a thing about. Well, this is in memory of Carl, who's gone. Blah blah blah. Or blah. even like in the because uh, uh, Brandy Carlisle and John Legend performed "God Only Knows" as the closing number. Not even in that mentioning Carl, how beautifully he sang it, mm-hmm. or um. Wait, did anybody do Good Vibrations? Oh, yeah. My notes say, Good Vibrations. Good performance by the band could do without Beck. Well, that's kind of just an overall statement. 
Yeah, I am not. I do. I never liked Beck. No. I never liked Beck. We used to call him Bleck. (laughs) But, but, um. Hey, I never liked him before I even knew you, so. Well, same here. (laughs) Um, okay, so they did do good vibrations, but, you know, not even a mention of Carl for that. It's, yeah, that was, that was a little bit strange, and I have to wonder if our friends in the balcony may have been a little bit taken aback by that. Hmm, Since knows? they've they've always had moments to mention Carl and Dennis and yep. anything that they mm-hmm. do. A lot of the performances were pretty much sounding, you know, let's do something that sounds just like the record. I mean, when there's a show like this, I kind of like the artist to put, I mean, you can still sound like the record, but put a little bit of yourself into it. Sure. And I gotta say, (laughs) I am not a fan of Mumford and Sons, (laughs) but they did a great performance of I Know There's an Answer because it was in their way. And they had some weird instrument that looked like a hunk of wood or something like it looked like stuff that they picked up from an alley and put it together yeah knows what that thing is let us know it it was some kind of strange instrument but again i give them props because they did it in their way and it was interesting oh yeah and it was different another person who performed in her own way Nora Jones. Oh, yeah. She did The Warmth of the Sun at the piano, kind of bluesy, and it was very much like something that would have fit in perfectly on one of her albums. Mm -hmm. One thing that I think everybody was talking about who attended the performance, because this was filmed, or I don't know if they used film, but (laughs) it was recorded months before it actually aired, as these things usually are. The thing that people talked about the most was Leon Rimes' performance of Caroline No, which I gotta say was a really nice arrangement. And thankfully, her arrangement extended the length of it, because that is a short song. Yeah. You, you don't want it to end yeah, so she, quickly. She put in, I think there was, a, she repeated the verses, and I think there was like a longer instrumental part. That was very well done, very emotional. And something I, I did like, Charlie Puth, who is a younger artist who's getting more and more attention. He did Wouldn't It Be Nice? And it was a great performance. Not terribly far from the record. I don't really know his work, so I can't say how much of him went into it. But he did speak before about how much uh, Pet Sounds meant to him and how Mm -hmm. he listened to it growing up because his dad always played it in the house. So I will never get tired of young people talking about how important Pet Sounds is. So the fact that he had that kind of respect and reverence for the material, that's significant. Mm -hmm. Looking through my notes here, and I mentioned Luke Spiller from The Struts and Taylor Momsen from The Pretty Reckless performed Fun, Fun, Fun. My comments on that, yeah, whatever. It's like, fun, 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 not, not, not. <laughs> and I know this, you have a different opinion on this, but 
I didn't mind Pentatonix doing heroes and villains because, again, it was in their way. It was in their way and, for sure. And, which is why I didn't like it because I don't like how they do their stuff. Well, no, but again, <laughs> you got to give them props for doing it in their style and for doing an a cappella harmony performance of it with even. I kind of like that they threw in a little bit of beatbox, you know, again, just to show how. The material can handle it. Sure. It'll it'll still work. And I noticed that the performers all had, and this is the only performance in the show that had this, they had music stands because mm. Heroes and Villains is really, really hard. And they did a short version of it, too. Yeah, they, they did. They a, cut some parts out. But after having performed Heroes and Villains, oh my goodness. I kind of love that professional musicians needed to have with years if not decades of experience needed to have notes or or sheet music or or whatever in front of them or me just like a big note saying you can do this (laughs) because yeah it's hard anybody listening if you've never been involved with a performance of heroes and villains yeah it is the most difficult thing i ever had to try to perform (laughs) but it was wonderful oh man i still have flashbacks of having having my harmonica upside down (laughs) (laughs) and it was a chromatic harmonica you can't possibly get that wrong and i still got it wrong all of us screwed up in some (laughs) way or another i screwed up i i was doing fine but our leader gave me a look, and I thought I messed up when I didn't, but I it, mess, it was messed it, was me. Was she just trying to conduct you or something? I don't know, but she gave me a look, and I was like, oh, did I do something wrong? But I didn't do anything wrong, but it ended up messing me up because I didn't come in when I was supposed to. Oh, mercy. Yeah, she was probably just trying to conduct you. I know. But anyway. Um... I'm looking at Sean's notes because I can't find mine. Lady A did Surfer Girl, and you put transposed from D to B. Sounds really weird. Just no life in this performance. Yeah, there were a couple very strange key changes, mainly because people probably think, oh, the Beach Boys, this will be easy. No! (laughs) That's the same logic Vince Gill had when he chose to perform Surf's Up. Oh, that's a surf song. I can do that. Yeah, until he (laughs) sees that he had to... And that David Crosby and uh, Jimmy Webb left him with the most difficult parts. They took their (laughs) parts out already. So, yeah. Good going. Ah, Yeah, Yeah. don't ever assume that Beach Boys music is simple. No. Oh, it's just a bunch of happy, fun party music. Yeah, written in really weird keys. Yep. And with chord changes that don't make any sense in in normal pop music music theory, you know? Or that have, like... A key signature with, like, six sharps or six flats. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> and then everything is naturaled, or they mm-hmm. have double flats or double oh, sharps or... Good grief. Whatever Brian's head could come up with. Yeah. Now, there was something that I noticed specifically, because I was ready to just start screaming my head off in anger. Those of you who don't listen to the Salon podcast, uh, they have a Patreon special. They, they give you they give you more stuff in the, if you subscribe to them via Patreon. And one of the things they have is uh, Nia D'Amelio does a lot of things. She contributes a lot of things, uh, mostly about concert stuff. And she was actually there at the Grammy perform at the performance. Uh, she found herself able to go at the last minute or something, but 
She was talking about how before they did Help Me Rhonda, the booth announcer that you hear on the TV special talked about how, okay, and here's the Beach Boys number one hit from the album The Beach Boys Today. And she said that she was screaming, no! (laughs) (laughs) But that was not included in the broadcast. So that, I was like, good. They probably got a lot of letters from people, or at least... (laughs) Of course, she was wondering, am I one of only three people in this crowd who knows what's wrong with this? <laughs> well, see, and that's the problem with being a Beach Boys fan. <laughs> it's like the more you know, the more you kind of wished you didn't know because it gets in the way of you just sitting back and enjoying okay, yourself. Okay, I, I just want to throw this out right now. Uh-oh. Anybody listening, or if you know someone who might be interested in doing this, make them listen. If you want to do a Beach Boys related thing, please consult with us for accuracy, for inconsistency or whatever. (laughs) Because again, we have a copy of the Surfing USA album that has the full track listing on the bottom that includes Surf Jam and uh, Stoked. For some reason, anytime that album art is used for something, they use the 80s reissue art. (laughs) Come on, we'll let you use ours. (laughs) You want to know what album a song is from? Let us know, okay? If you don't want to look it up and do a basic well, history lesson, it's like, uh, just ask us, It's okay? like when we went to see Al Jardine some years ago. Um, <laughs> he did a show at City Winery. I know where this is going. And he's talking between the songs, and his, his son Matt was uh, in his band, and... Um, and they, I forget if it was Al or Matt, but they're like, if you want to know something, ask the fans. Yep. Because <laughs> they were, they couldn't, Al was, couldn't remember a particular factoid. And like we're when all, Carl recorded, was saying, God only knows. Like how, how old Carl how, that, was. How old he was, yeah. So it's there were, like. There were some people in the yard and she, oh, he was 20. And of course, we were saying he was 19. And Al looked kind of worried. <laughs> He's like, oh my God, what did I just like, do? Like, Al was there. <laughs> but of course, being there, you don't always remember stuff. You don't always, I mean, yeah. we study this stuff like it's the Talmud. I mean, it's like. Okay. And we, I remember what, what, once when Jeff Foskett said that it was one of the one of the two Jeff parties we went to where he was doing a living room performance. People were asking for his songs. And he said, well, I got to be honest, when I record something. I record it and I never really think of it again. That's probably pretty normal for everybody. Well, you go back to the great Star Trek sketch on Saturday Night Live when William Mm -hmm. Shatner hosted in the 80s and he's speaking at a Star Trek convention and somebody asks him what was the combination of the si- of the thing that that captain kirk opened in in this episode of season 2 or whatever and he just starts going on this rant about it's like this was a show i did as a lark in in my 20s and you know or whatever and it's it's just kind of funny and frightening i'm sure when people realize how much attention the fans give to things it's 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 kind of bizarre <laughs> yeah and if you get uptight about a performer saying something incorrect about something keep in mind these people have been going at it for years well yeah they've been re- in the studios on the road and the, god forbid living their own lives too yeah. so they don't have time to go back and ooh, let me read up on my own history <laughs> yeah it and again just because you were there doesn't mean you're correct <laughs> i mean like 
you don't remember what color shirt your brother was wearing at your eighth birthday party. <laughs> you don't remember things like that. <laughs> oh, going back to how you didn't seem to remember good vibrations being part of this, kind of goes back to when there was a, uh, a montage of uh, singles near the beginning of the show. And judging by that, you would think that the Beach Boys had no hits or any songs after Barbara Ann. Well, that's sometimes no the attitude. Yeah, that, it's it's a it's a bad or it's incorrect like, attitude. Or it's like how there's several documentaries where it's like Beach Boys hits, Cars, Girls, Surf, and then Pet Sounds, then Good Vibrations, then Smile Didn't Happen, and then. Kokomo, <laughs> or 1976. Like we didn't even have Kokomo in this thing, did we? No. Yeah. But and I John mean, freaking Stamos was there too. Uh, like he, he introduced the guy. Uh, <laughs> All right. To be fair, number one, he's a friend of theirs. And number two, I think he really is a fanboy, just like we are. I he, really no, think he, he seriously is. is. And this is like the best thing that ever happened in his whole life was to I'm, be I'm sure part of the Beach Boys camp. And and for what it's worth, I mean, he's had a long career. And if you're looking at getting young people on board, young people know who he is because he's been in all kinds of stuff. He's yeah. been in current things. So it's like he's a very familiar face to multiple generations. So it's like... You can see why they would have him there, but I still don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> and interestingly, when he said Mike's name, he he called him Michael Edward Love. He didn't do that to any of the other Beach Boys. Well, I mean, he and Mike are tight, so I mean, that might be kind of a little in-joke or something. Could be, could be. But yeah, again, that's just that kind of prevailing attitude that large chunks of the Beach Boys' history and catalog are often ignored. Yep. And, I mean, that's the thing. In this show, they didn't do anything from after, like, 1966, right? I'm just, well, Heroes and Darlings. Oh, oh, and Darlings. Okay, and Darlings and Do It Again. Okay, 68. So, but nothing... And Sail on Sailor. Okay, fine. So... <laughs> Okay, nothing after 1968 with the exception of Sail on Sailor, yes. which is from 1973. Yes. So, yeah, that is kind of surprising that they there's no Kokomo. Huh. Yeah, that was their biggest hit, like it or not. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. And, and speaking of Sail on Sailor, uh, it was uh, Jimmy Jam introducing that song. John Legend sang it, and it was pretty decent. I mean, John Legend, I don't think he can sing anything badly. Yeah. I don't think he has that ability. But when Jimmy Jam introduced that performance, he mentioned how Ray Charles performed it on the special called 25 Years Together. And uh, we know there are a lot, there's a lot of crossover with that because, again, like uh, the John Stamos, he was on that as well. Oh, good Lord. That, sh <laughs> that shows you how long that guy's been around. Yeah, seriously. Because that, that special was done in uh, 1980. Well, it was taped in late 86. Yes. And yeah, this was actual tape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We <laughs> and can aired, safely assume it was tape. And aired in early 1987 on ABC. And I still have somewhere a VHS tape where I recorded it off of... <laughs> Channel 7, WABC in New York. I remember watching it. I was in junior high 
And it's like, yay, Beach Boys special. Yeah, so we decided to watch that after we watched the Grammy thing because I don't, why did we do that? (laughs) I think just for, well, it's like this. The tribute to Brian Wilson was the gold standard of doing a tribute to Beach Boys music. I mean, yes, it was no other. Beach Boys were there. It was right. just Brian. But let's let's be truthful. Yeah. It was yeah. Beach Boys. Yeah. Because they didn't... The only Brian solo song they had was Love and Mercy. And Lay Down Burden. Oh, okay. Was that used in the broadcast? Or was that just in the taping, filming? I think... I don't remember. It may be an extra on the DVD. Yeah, I don't think it was part of the broadcast. I don't think it was. But I mean, that special is the gold standard because you had definite A-list names. Oh, yeah. You had people who treated the material with a great deal of respect. You had people who performed, again, in a way that was familiar, but also in their own style. Like Paul Simon did yes. Surfer Girl on the acoustic guitar. You and know, Jubilant Sykes doing uh, That's Not Me in kind of a smooth jazz way, and it was awesome. Yeah. And uh, when uh, Anna Nancy Wilson from Heart sang lead on Good Vibrations. That is seriously my favorite performance man. of Good Vibrations. And there were- It was just so amazing. And there were the the filmed parts, the inserts, and the, the celebrity guests who weren't performing. They yeah. were just getting up and speaking. I mean, you had- Sir George Martin, you had Dennis Hopper, wonderfully huge people who normally don't do these kinds of things. And I think one thing that really helped make that a great special was there was a wide variety of performers. You had Brian's peers and you had literally the latest up and coming performers too. So there was a lot of variety across that. So it was just very... Well done. And yeah. Brian's band was the house band. I mean, it's it could not have been better. You look at other things and it's like, man. <laughs> I think about 25 years together, though, I think a lot of the blame just goes to the fact that it was the 80s. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the 80s were just terrible. Embarrassing. <laughs> because there were way too many people doing the, the hang loose hand gesture. I kept track of that. I, I counted it six instances. And too of that. many, too many people wearing the neon fake Ray Bans with the little cord. <laughs> and of course, because it was the eighties, you had to have lots of like girls in bikinis dancing at the front of the crowd. It's too bad we're not doing a video podcast because I want to point out that there are several occurrences, several audience shots. Of women doing what I call the '80s woman dance. Oh yeah, yeah. I can't. It's hard to describe, but it's, well, it's you just know what kind of. It. Uh, it's very generic. back and forth yeah. kind of like step step to the side, step back, step to the side, step back. Yeah, put your hand above your head. Now I'll yeah. bring it back down. It's and they had those hexagon electric oh, drums. Oh, oh god. And okay, I'm looking at my notes from this, and of course. What we watched, I could dig out my old tape to see if there were any differences with the actual broadcast version, but it was put out on some kind of 
DVD or yeah. something in like, was it Sweden or? I, thi- I think so. Yeah. Sweden or So Denmark we were watching that, which is on YouTube. It's an hour and a half. Yeah. We'll link it, assuming that it hasn't been yanked down. So it's like, you look at that and you think, okay, just that alone. And it's obviously very edited. So it's like, how long were they filming this thing? Because seriously, after a while, everybody just kind of looks tired. Yeah, <laughs> They're like, can we go home now? Can we go back to our hotel rooms mm-hmm. and take a nap? And I'm not saying that they were old people, because they were... It, You're in their 40s. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they all were tan and fit and pretty good looking, but... It's just like this show, this taping had to have gone on for hours because <laughs> you do see there are there are some clothing changes and things. I like at the beginning, Mike is wearing, not wearing a shirt. I think he has a lay on yeah. um, and he had like a sarong on probably over his swim trunks or something i'm like did he like get out of the pool minutes before the taping started where he didn't even have time to put on like a shirt or a regular pair of shorts i mean he did later on later on he's wearing a hawaiian shirt or something and of course i have to wonder why on earth was this thing filmed in hawaii like that's not very clear like here you have the band that pretty much defined California for millions of people. And you can't even say cost wise because they had to, because they had to get everybody to Hawaii, all the beach boys, all the band, their equipment, their family and friends who went with them, the crew, and then all the, the guest performers, they had to get them there too. And it's like, Dude. And if they Hollanded their equipment, then man. I mean, like, what's wrong with Malibu? They couldn't have <laughs> they couldn't have shot it in Malibu or Huntington Beach. Oh, and by the way, speaking of Malibu, Huntington Beach, and just Hawaii, this is visual proof that I, some years ago, not terribly long ago, I don't think, uh, the current iteration of the Beach Boys touring band played just a couple of miles south of us in Chicago at Montrose Beach. And I don't know if it was Mike or somebody else who was saying in promotion, you know, all these years of the Beach Boys never performed on the beach. Well, we're finally doing it. <coughs> um, what's this thing then? Um, yeah, and I did they forget the Fourth of July concert in nineteen eighty-three that was done in Atlantic City? That was, that was on, on the beach. Yes, it okay. was. Okay. Oh, yes, Because I know was. it was done outdoors. That was obvious. And I have a note here. Brian is weird, but sings great. <laughs> <laughs> that pretty much sums up Brian yeah. Wilson, doesn't it? Seriously. Yeah, that thing, Brian was just... Like, there are times when he's just kind of wandering around on the stage, sometimes without a shirt on. And it just makes me think of Phil Hartman's Frankenstein character. Fire, bad. Yeah. He must have been on some weird well, things from well, that the was special kind of, consultant that was credited in the movie. Well, the film. and that, I mean, really, that was about the time that I think Landy was starting to kind of overstep his bounds, Probably. both personally and professionally mm-hmm. and medically. That may have been about the time Brian started to become more medicated. And it's pretty significant that. In the course of this special, 
there's very little interaction between the members of the band. There's almost no banter or like, how's everybody doing? Or like the speaking that is done is very obviously read off of cue cards. Well, yeah. It's very still. We know who had to make the cue cards too. It's very. Rest in peace, Laurie. It's very stilted and there's not a lot of warmth there. And I don't know why. I mean, there's, well, we can probably come up with a lot of theories, (laughs) but I don't know really why that was. Speaking of like doing tributes, I mean, Carl talks about Dennis in one intro, but he does a tribute to Dennis with a song that Dennis didn't write or perform on and isn't about him at all. Yeah, it's a love song. It's Carl's song, Heaven. But it has nothing to do with Dennis. Again, forever? Hello? <laughs> Anyone? Bueller? I mean, to... <laughs> Shut oh, up. Oh, don't get me started on that. Anyway, but Carl said something about, like, right before he performed it, he said something about how whenever I sing this song, I think of Dennis. So that might be... Why, yeah, but, but still, it's kinda, I, yeah. Reach, reach. And Carl, dude, come on, man. Even if you were trying to promote your solo work, that wasn't from your most recent solo album. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, it. It's just kind of a huh. Yeah, I mean, it was a nice performance. It's a nice song, and but. and something else that was kind of huh. So Belinda Carlisle did a good performance of "Wouldn't It Be Nice," except she was wearing. This weird dress that I don't know if there was some kind of it, if it needed an alteration that didn't get or if it was too big for her, but it kept slipping off her shoulders. And while she's singing, she keeps yanking it back into place. I counted four times you actually see her yanking it back into place. And there are other times when she obviously did it off camera because it's a little bit higher up on her. And then for some reason after it, she's saying, Band of Gold. Yeah, Frida, the Frida Payne song. It's like, huh? Which I don't think was even like a single of hers. I think she did a version of it not terribly long before that. Yeah, but still. But it wasn't a significant. It wasn't it, like, say, uh, Heaven is a Place on Earth. It's a <laughs> Beach Boys special. You're not there to really promote yourself. And then... Kind of a weird thing that we noticed. Again, I I might want to look back at my broadcast video copy to see if it was like this, but there were several songs that appeared multiple times. Like they did two different performances of Barbara Ann. There are three different performances. And it's not the same performance just edited in because they're clearly, that's what when you can see like wardrobe changes happening. And, um, they did Surfer Girl oh, twice. Oh, that and the weird thing about Surfer Girl. One oh, of yeah. Those performances, you talk about that. <laughs> oh, my God. I think I got vertigo listening to one of the performances because uh, after the Everly Brothers performed, the Beach Boys did Surfer Girl. When they got to the bridge, now Surfer Girl is done in the key of D. That's u- the usual key, and that's how they started it. But when they got to the bridge, we could ride. They bumped the key up a whole step to E. For no reason whatsoever. And then after the bridge, it goes back to the original key of D. Now, the way the song ends is the second half of the last verse on any other version of that song, they modulate it up a half step. They didn't do that here. 
and it was just a very jarring alteration of the song. It's in D for the whole entire song, except for the bridge, which is in E. I don't know why they did that. I, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. Yeah, and they didn't do it that way the other time they performed it. So, yeah, I don't. That was just I bizarre. I don't get it. And, um, oh, yeah, like the Everly Brothers were there. They did Don't Worry Baby, which segued into Getcha Back. Okay, yeah. good. Cool. But then they did Wake Up Little Susie. Again, this isn't about you. <laughs> well, for what it's worth, the uh, first two songs they did were Beach Boys. So, I mean, here, okay, here's the thing. If you're going to have these celebrity guests on there, you almost want to hear them do one of their songs no, just for crowd No, pleasure. I don't. No, I don't. Because or, this is about the Beach Boys. We didn't have in the Brian tribute, nobody else did their own stuff. That's because they were tributing Brian. That's right. Was this really a tribute, though? It was just like, hey, 25 well, years it's together, a celebration. we're celebrating. Okay. And we're going to celebrate by having our yeah, friends sing some of their songs. No. No, sorry. I don't I don't accept. <laughs> I don't fault them. I don't expect ex, uh, no, that is not acceptable. Okay, and I get around. I have a note. Glenn Campbell totally sang the wrong lyrics. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened there. I mean, the lyrics were on the cue cards. I don't know what happened there. Yeah, he he totally <laughs> He totally blew that. You know, he probably got those lyrics out of his Ocean Pacific shorts that he kept pulling out of his crack. <laughs> One thing I kind of I kind of like is the uh, for be true to your school, they had the Punahou uh, High School cheerleaders or Punahou Academy, who at that time their cheerleaders were going on to some kind of national competition. That's Barack Obama's alma mater. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's. Oh, yeah. We yeah. talked about. Oh, God. Yeah. And I have a note next to that extra nasally Mike. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's Mike like, was. Be your school. Mike oh, was my. very nasal. Yeah. The 80s were very much a time of Mike saying, <laughs> we're old and I'm going to make us sound old. Because <laughs> you see, this is how we sounded back then. And oh, God. All signs point to he stopped doing that eventually. Thank and God. of course, of course. Don Ho was there. I keep telling you, you don't believe me, but it is a requirement. It yep. was a requirement to his dying day that if you shot anything in Hawaii, he had to make a cameo. That yep. was federal Yeah, no matter law. how corny or contrived it might be. That was the 27th Amendment to the Constitution. Look it up. He didn't sing. No. He, he joined the big group sing-along at the Which end. Which kind of, you know. I mean, he could have gotten up there with a ukulele. Yeah. That would have been fine. Okay, and you notice, what song did they not do? Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Why didn't they do Hawaii? <laughs> oh my goodness. that I'd never thought of that, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Or even Luau. They could have done Luau. <laughs> Let's have a luau. Oh, they probably couldn't get the clearance from the Morgans. Yeah, right. And now let's have a little like, oh my God, this is the 80s moment. Because <laughs> for there's there's two big things about that. Because again, yes, John Stamos was very 80s. But yeah. he's again, a person who has had a career that extended far beyond the 80s. Yeah. Okay. But then there are people like Patrick Duffy. Oh, good. From grief. Dallas yep. with his perfectly molded hair that was oh my god why are you here (laughs) 
And then even worse, Joe Piscopo (laughs) doing his stupid jerk from New Jersey shtick, which being from New Jersey, it's like, shut up. And then there was a hang loose sighting during that scene. It's like, you're making us all look bad. Oh. Yeah. And and that wasn't the last time we saw him. And the fact is, like, his New Jersey thing was not like the the crowd gathered around like people really weren't laughing <laughs> it wasn't very funny joe piscopo is not funny that's why he made an appearance later on in the special too during surfing usa if you remember yeah because the crowd started chanting bruce and of course the camera's on bruce johnston he's like oh listen they're you're chanting my name haha but no it was joe piscopo Pretending Bruce, to be yeah. Springsteen. Serving in the USA. And it's because of this, oh man, that I swear to God this is true and I will link this in the show notes. Um, if you look up the entry for 25 years together in the Paley Center website, it actually lists Bruce Springsteen as one of the performers. <laughs> <sighs> and of course, the thing about it is, I don't know if Springsteen would have appeared in something like this back then, but in more recent years, I mean, he was in, um, um, was it Long Promised Road? Was he? Oh, was he in that? I mean, he has definitely spoken in more recent years about Brian, about the Beach Boys music. He's even done a couple songs that evoke some kind of Beach Boys influence. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, not trying to sound just like them, more like the influence is there. Yeah. And you did see him join Brian on stage at the uh, yes, Garden State I Arts did. Center. Yes, I did. In, uh, was that 2015? I think that was 2015. Because I went, I was out in New Jersey and took my mother because she had never seen Brian in concert. And during the encore set, we were sitting not far from the stage, but over on the right side. And you could hear buzz, buzz, because there was like a guy who had come out on stage for the encore set, just wearing like a baseball cap. And he was over on the left side of the stage. And I guess the people on that side could see that it was Springsteen. And then Brian introduced or somebody in the band introduced him and he sang on, uh, I think, um, Surfing USA and Barbara Ann or something like that. Didn't play a guitar, didn't do anything, just kind of came out to sing a couple things and then made his exit. But it's like, spring scene, spring scene, spring scene. Yep. <laughs> I mean, he only lives about 15 minutes from there, so yeah, right, it was a pretty right. easy trip for him. But yeah, it's uh, that, was, that was pretty awful. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Sean and I have this theory that you have people who are really popular or doing lots of things and then you suddenly never hear about them again and we feel that they just get like a registered letter in the mail saying thank you your services are no longer needed (laughs) because like the 80s have ended or because you're obnoxious or (laughs) or the 80s have ended and you're obnoxious but we really think joe piscopo must have gotten such a letter because after a certain time you never heard about him or saw him ever again. <laughs> what about the fabulous Thunderbirds, though? Do you think they got the same letter? Well, they probably got a letter saying, you know, you guys sound pretty good, but the 80s are over. <laughs> yeah, they did rock and roll music, but it wasn't even in the style that the Beach Boys did. It was in the same key, but it was kind of a swingy, bluesy kind of rhythm. 
So I don't know. It's, I mean, yeah, there's nothing wrong with the Fabulous Thunder. I didn't know until we rewatched this that Kim Wilson was in the Fabulous Thunderbirds. I had no idea. To me, Kim Wilson was a blues harp guy because huh. I have one of his CDs. Well, it's really good. They, Tiger Man. From what I remember of the Fabulous Thunderbirds, didn't they have a lot of harmonica in their stuff? I don't remember much about the Fabulous Thunderbirds. I just remember like one song and yeah. I think there was harmonica in it. One thing I did like is that when Three Dog Night with Danny Hutton, of course, yeah. they were there well, and they performed on Darlin. And Brian mentioned kind of the backstory of that song, yeah. that it was called Darlin' because that's what Danny Hutton called everybody back yeah. then. I kind of like that there was that genuine piece of information. To me, though, that was a cringe moment because they're saying, hey, here's Three Dog Night. No, it's only two guys, yeah. two, the, the two singer, two of the three singers from Three Dog Night and no other band member. Yeah. That was a whole band, not just Danny Hutton and Corey Wells. Yeah, Chuck Negron was conspicuously absent uh, for obvious reasons. But Oh, and of course, one of our favorite moments <sighs> was when <laughs> there's one part when Mike is reading an intro off the cue card and Brian is right behind his shoulder reading along the cue card and mouthing the words as Brian, yep. <laughs> as Mike yeah, is saying that. I, I have a note of that, of that, where exactly that is. Yeah, I um, do too. I can't. It oh, is, it's the intro for God Only Knows. Yes. It's 58 minutes and 40 seconds yeah. into the video we watched on YouTube. Yeah, Mike is doing the intro for God Only Knows that was performed by uh, Jeffrey Osborne. And yeah, Brian is, Brian's mouthing along. <laughs> I don't think anybody even realized that. Yeah, we didn't even realize it the first few times we saw this. I think it was one of the times we watched it with other people. When you're watching it with other people, you tend to pay more attention to things. But really, the entire time, Brian obviously had his eyes glued to cue cards the whole freaking show. Now, mind you, one thing I do want to say is that Brian wasn't this controlled zombie the whole show. Like, there are a couple of moments where he's clearly having a good time and he's getting caught up in the moment. Like, say, uh, was it during California Girls, I think, when uh, girls were walking one, on, one by one on stage and putting lays around the guys? Yeah. I think Brian was the first one when the girl who gave Brian his leg came up, he picked her up yeah. <laughs> and, and carried her off the stage. <laughs> and there is a time when uh, he high fives Mike. Yeah. But that's the thing. There's He was kind of off to one side of the stage. And the only member of the group at all that Brian has any interaction with is Mike. Yeah. I don't know, again, what's up with that. If, well, like, except during like, the scripted moment, I went to Hawthorne High School. Where did you go, Al? Uh, I went to Hawthorne with you, Brian. <laughs> oh, God. And see, that's that was, oh, that was something, again, I don't think it was unique to that show, because when I saw the Beach Boys in concert in 89 and 90, I think I was a little bit spoiled from having gone to Monkey's concerts, where these guys had such a good rapport with each other that even if they were doing something that was scripted, it never came off that way. Like they had a very loose, friendly, 
And even if they couldn't stand the sight of each other, they could go out on stage and make jokes. And and I mean, I saw enough Monkees concerts to know they didn't say the exact same things at every show. Yeah. But like with the Beach Boys, there was no banter. There was no comfortableness, which is just weird. That was consistent with what I saw in this special that like, I don't know if they just were very stiff and uncomfortable in that way or or what but it doesn't make for a warm and friendly show when like the members of the band aren't even making eye contact with each other or like looking like they're having a good time playing these songs and being together in this beautiful place wonder what it's like to be in an oasis concert Ugh. oh god <laughs> let's not Oh, Think oh about something that I ever. just something I just saw in my notes that I have to mention because I don't remember if I mentioned my whole Sloop John B theory on this podcast. I'm not going to get into it now because it's a little bit deep. But uh, part of my Sloop John B theory is in that it wasn't necessarily because of Al that they really did Sloop John B, but because Brian always had it on his radar. We have mm-hmm. more than enough evidence for that. Yeah. One of the things that I thought about when I noticed that was like, wait a minute. If this truly was Al's song, then why did he never actually sing it, say, in concert? Why did they toss it over to Carl? Well, in 25 years together, Al sings it. He sings uh, the first verse, and then then Mike, with his over-nasally voice, sings the second verse, and then Brian sings the third verse, and he sounds really good on this one, too. Hmm. So that was was pretty cool. We We actually get to see Al sing it. Well, like I said, Brian looks weird, but sounds good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it was an awkward performance because Sail on Sailor ended pretty uh, – not, it's not that Sail on Sailor ended abruptly, but Sloop John B. just suddenly came out of nowhere as soon as Sail on Sailor ended. I don't know if that's how it was performed or if that was just editing, but it was just kind of awkward. Yeah, there was a lot of awkward. Mm-hmm. And again, it just – my guess is that this was a very, very long day of yeah. filming because it doesn't seem to be very well organized. I mean, we can ask somebody like how long it took to put this well, together because yeah. I, I, I know of a couple of people we can reach out to who would be happy to answer questions. But oh, something else that I noticed, and uh, I don't remember if I pointed this out while we were watching it, but during Do It Again, I noticed somebody in the audience wearing a Sunkissed t-shirt. <laughs> I don't know if that was a coincidence or if that was a plant. <laughs> well, considering that was about six or seven years after the Sunkissed Beach Boys campaign, hmm. I, I it, don't may know. Have, it may have just been like, hey, there's a kid wearing a Sunkissed t shirt. Let's get a shot of it. But I doubt it was a plant because I don't think they were shilling for a <laughs> Sunkissed orange soda that late. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I know I'm jumping around here, but uh, going back to the Everly Brothers and how they perform Don't Worry Baby, diehard fans know about this, but people who aren't quite as diehard might not know. A couple of years later, the Beach Boys and the Everly Brothers recorded Don't Worry Baby together. So there is a recording out there of that uh, floating around. It was uh, released on a single, I think, like might, might have been a B-side. Another fun fact, and I wanted to address this because a lot of people wonder about this. When Glenn Campbell first appears, he's singing a song, and 
it's like, what song is this? There are some people who think that it's after the game because the phrase after the game was in the lyrics, but no, after the game was an instrumental. And then Mike comes over and kind of interrupts him and says, hey, I know that Jimmy Webb wrote that song for you and all this. The song that Glenn was singing was called In Cars, and he had recently recorded it at the time. It wasn't an old song, or at least it wasn't an old recording. He had just in the last year or two or three recorded that for one of his albums. So that's the answer to the age-old question. What song was Glenn singing? It was In Cars. Another kind of accurate factoid when uh, before Ray Charles performed Sail on Sailor, Brian noted, this is the voice I heard when I wrote this song. I could totally see that. So that was that was kind of nice that Brian got to say that. I gotta say, I didn't like the way that Ray sang it, though, because he was kind of doing a little bit too improv-y kind of things. Ah, sail an ocean! It was too much of that. Well, like, the I think t- that's more his style. I mean, it sounded like he was doing it the way he would have done it. And I noted how at the very end, they ended with Good Vibrations as a big group sing-along. Yeah. And with a very sloppy ending. <laughs> and then I put sloppy dedication to Dennis. Because I think, I think like Carl or somebody else, this is for Dennis. And it's just like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I have a note here that says, final thoughts, including awkward shout out to Dennis. But before we sign off, we want to take a moment to dedicate the show to our late brother, Dennis. We love you, man, and we want you to know that you'll always be with us no matter where we go. For the next 25 years and beyond. It's like, why didn't you do a proper tribute to him? Huh? Why? It's about time. That would have been a great pseudo-closer. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, after Good Vibrations, somebody, I think it was Al, said, here's a new one from Brian, and uh, it's the spirit of rock and roll. And it's clear that Brian was singing along to a recorded track, because he's double-tracked in a few places. (laughs) But overall, it was a decent performance of the song, and uh, it was clearly done before Buddy Holly was uh, mentioned in the lyrics, because instead of, Chuck Buddy and Elvis, it was Chuck Berry and Elvis. And we did not hear Bob Dylan sing along on this one. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you've never heard uh, the duet that Brian did with Bob Dylan, if you've never heard the Sweet Insanity version of this song, go check it out. It's got to be all over no, YouTube. No, no, Because you've never heard anything until you hear Bob Dylan sing on this, like, retro rock and roll. What is in your blood? Oh, it's very God, jarling no. to hear like Brian shouting, it's out in every land. For- <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah. Insanity is so, so sweet, isn't it? But see, that's, you know, when you're a Beach Boys fan, you have to put up with things that are kind of, huh? <laughs> There's a lot of, huh? It's yep. almost like, what did I read once in regards to the TV movies done about the Beach Boys. It's like, yeah, ABC is going to make a new movie every decade until they get it right. Yeah, (laughs) wasn't that in Entertainment Weekly? I think so. It's like, yeah, Beach Boys primetime TV specials are kind of uneven. Yep. (laughs) But that's 
That's what we have to deal with. That's what we have to deal no with. No one ever said being a Beach Boys fan was going to be easy. Yep. Yep. That's true. But hey, it provides us with podcast material. Well, yeah. Because if, no if it was a perfectly produced special, I mean, that would be boring to talk about. Uh, we did spend an entire episode talking about the TNT tribute. Oh, that is true. And that was put together very well. That was beautiful. Okay, so it wasn't. We're not just here to talk about bad stuff. We're here to talk about good stuff. Yeah, but the bad stuff can be fun. That's that's very true. (laughs) That's very true. But uh, do you have a favorite moment from 25 years together? Like a legitimately favorite moment that you like to go back and watch? Oh, you mean that's not like, say, Brian mouthing the cue card words? (laughs) No, somebody who isn't a fan but says, hey, I want to see something Beach Boys that you could recommend. Is Is there anything from here that you would be comfortable showing somebody? Ah, uh, I'll put it to you that way, and I have an answer here. Okay, you you answer. Glenn Campbell, because seriously, um, I thought he did. He overall did a really good job. His voice sounded fantastic. I liked how he kind of changed up Little Deuce Coop a little bit in terms of melody. I thought he did a really cool job with that. And by the way, speaking of Glenn Campbell, I wrote down the strange lyrics that he sang to I Get Around, and the lyrics were, it's the last verse, none of the guys go stood anymore, <laughs> it wouldn't be right to leave her home on a Saturday night, and for, and in brackets I have Taiwan? <laughs> he, he like one of those weird Taiwan? records? Oh, okay, I thought you meant like one of those Oh, no, that's records. exactly, yeah, that's what I was talking about, okay. yeah, it's like maybe he got the lyrics from one of those Taiwanese pirates, that's why I put that in there, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and he also sang Little Old Lady from Pasadena, which is kind of, I mean, the Beach Boys would do it in concert, of course. Yeah. It's on Beach Boys concert, but yeah. it's still an odd one to choose because it's not a Beach Boys song in any way outside of that concert. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, to be honest, like, there's plenty of performances that are good, but nothing that's really like, wow. Mm-hmm. Like, really like, oh my God, this is a great, memorable moment. It's just more like... They're just out there churning out the hits and doing them, doing them as you would want, as you would expect. But it's not like it's, and I think we may have even said this before on this podcast. I think it was, was it Rob McCabe who said that uh, going to a Beach Boys concert is like going to a party and going to a Brian concert is like going to church, like Mm -hmm. where you're going to have Beach Boys concerts, like you know, you're going to have a good time. Yay. Hit, 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 hit. But it's like a Brian concert is going to get you in your heart, in your soul, where it's really going to mean something. Yeah. You know, it's going to be something almost spiritual, where it's like, there was nothing spiritual about this special. Now, I'm going to ask you the same question I just asked but about the Grammy special, what do you think about that? Was there any performance in there that really stuck out to you as really something enjoyable, something good? Well, like I said, the the Mumford and Sons performance of uh, I Know There's an Answer, because it was just mm-hmm. so different. And I liked uh, John Legend doing Sail on Sailor. That was good. And uh, Nora Jones doing The Warmth of the Sun. And uh, Charlie Puth doing Wouldn't It Be Nice. Charlie Puth did a really good job with that. And I know a lot of fans weren't crazy about this, but I thought Brandy Carlisle and John Legend did a nice job with God Only Knows at the end. I think they did a little bit too much 
melisma but yeah i um, i have a they, note here that said basically like all the performers in general trying to sound like they were trying to out snazz each other yeah yeah but yeah i mean there were definitely good performances on the grammy thing i mean nobody who sounded bad yeah just there were performances that were better than others performances yeah. that were kind of just too much like the record and not very interesting or even again, the kind of underestimating of Beach Boys material, like thinking, oh, this is going to be easy. And it's like, no, it's not. <laughs> and another note that I had, uh, in addition to say Nora Jones saying, well, we've been talking a lot about the genius of Brian Wilson and Mike Love tonight. I don't think they ever mentioned no, him. No. <laughs> they ever mentioned Mike, poor Mike. No, it's more but, like we've been talking about the genius of Brian Wilson for a very, very long time. But the other thing that I noticed about this special is that. When you have shots of the audience, there was like it was a pretty young audience. Yeah, yeah. So that was pretty cool to see that. Yeah. Well, there was a young audience at the 25th anniversary special too. Yeah. But of course, they going back like they look they look like today's 40. I but, know, you know, right? <laughs> but is that all we have to say? Are we done talking about these two specials vis-a-vis each other? Yes, I think we are. Okay. Bye. <laughs> That's kind of abrupt. Well, I think it's kind of fitting because 25 years together had a lot of abruptness. 25 years. That's another thing. I could have sworn when we watched it I think in the broadcast, there may have been some different edits. There were so many, so many like 25 years. Can you believe it's been 25 years? Well, we've been doing this for 25 years. This 25 years. This There there wasn't really much of that in at least the version we watched to prep for this episode. That uh, we're going to link in the show notes, assuming it hasn't yet been uh, victimized by the uh, BRI police. <laughs> now, yeah, we had a lot of kind of negativity uh, on, on these specials, but still, it's it was worth checking out. Well, of course. I, it's just... I, I somehow mean, enjoyed 25 years together more, believe it or not. Well, because it was more... It was more of a party. Yeah. And I I think we're just... Yeah, I mean, we are. And it's like when you've been looking at this stuff over the years, and you've seen times that the Beach Boys have kind of not gone above and beyond, not like really try to outdo themselves. And sometimes it's a little disappointing. But hey, it's also good to see that there are people who have respect for this material and still have interest in it mm-hmm. and still want to put it on TV. And I mean, that's all good too. I mean, this stuff is not made for us. Mm. I mean, that's the thing when you're kind of a more intense fan, you always have to look at it that way that we're not necessarily the target here. Yeah. So you can't expect them to make you happy. They're going for a broader audience, broader appeal, and if it satisfies that, then it's all good. Yeah, that's very true. And when you think about it, though, you have 25 years together. You have the uh, couple of years after, well, a year after that aired, Kokomo was number one. You had country stars joining forces with the Beach Boys in 1996. And of course, you have this uh, 60th anniversary thing, the 50th anniversary tour. What we are learning about this is that interest in the Beach Boys is not going away anytime soon. Nope. So that's I mean just that's a huge just the mere fact that Sounds of Summer yeah. keeps selling. Yeah. And 
again, it's like... And we're recording this on uh, just after the anniversary of Endless Summer, by the way. Well, it's also that in... Um, um, Tasmania? Shut up. Tasmania. When Sounds of Summer came out, and we may have already talked about this, so I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, but it's like when Sounds of Summer came out or when the greatest hits package that preceded it, the three CDs, I forget what they were called. It was like whatever replaced Endless Summer. Yeah. There were fans who were up in arms because it's like, oh, they're expecting us to buy these CDs again. Because like sometimes, you know, they throw in like, oh, here's a stereo mix or here's, you know, whatever. And it's like, dude, this is not for us. Capital knows that we already own all this stuff. Yeah. This is for the people who don't own a Beach Boys record mm-hmm. or who haven't bought one in a long time. And they'd be like, hey, the Beach Boys are great. I don't really have any of them on my iTunes. I'm going to go buy this now. Like, that's what they're selling it for. Not for all of us crazy people who own six copies of Pet Sounds. <laughs> Only six? Yeah, well. You so. are underestimating our collection. <laughs> But you dig what I'm saying. I I do dig, yes, indeed. So, yeah, this stuff is not necessarily for us. Right. But if it gets people on board, it's all good. Yeah, and we thank you for being on board with us here on episode 17 of Tunex Podcast. We'll hopefully get another episode out before another three months goes by. Yeah, yeah, let's not do that again. But, uh... Oh, we're going we're gonna to be in England probably before the next time we oh record. Yeah, yeah, our first uh, transcontinental flight. Ooh. Yay! But anyway, um, my name is Sean. And I'm Lisa. And um, yeah, talk to you again. Thank you for listening to the Tune X Podcast. Please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or iTunes. You can hear us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and just about every other provider out there. If TuneX isn't on your favorite provider, please let us know. You can email us at tunexpodcast at gmail.com. Our website, which includes the show notes, is tunex.fab4it.com. Fab4it is spelled F-A-B, then the number four than IT. Feel free to connect with us on social media. TuneX is on Facebook and we're also on Instagram and Twitter, both under the handle of TuneX Podcast. Our opening and closing theme, Melody 10, was written and performed by Scattered Frog. All other music and sounds used in this episode remain the properties of their respective copyright holders and are used for the purposes of commentary and review. No infringement is intended. We'll see you next time, friends. Until then, don't don't back back down down from from that that wave. wave.